Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. Hello, welcome to the 11th instalment of Redside the Trent, and we've got some great positivity for you. As Forrest managed to win two games since we last managed to speak to you, uh, we had a very convincing 4-1 victory away at Swansea, and before that was a 2-0 win over Peterborough United. The result leaves Forest in eighth, just four points off the playoffs as we edge closer to Christmas. It's a very exciting position to be in. Uh, we'll start with the Swansea game. And you know, it was one of those where I think we were all pretty much unanimously thought it'd be quite a tight game, maybe a 1-0, maybe a 2-1. I don't think anyone saw Forest getting four. And uh, as I'm seeing as you were um, responding faster than the Forest admin and as you were keeping us all up to speed, uh, what was your take on it? And how did you, what did you make of Forest's performance from um, Colin Frey's tones? Um, first half, I think Swansea would probably be more upset about not going into the, into the half winning. I mean, the Cham had a really good chance at the back post. I'll say 2-2, Reese's favourite Everloney signing, um, gifted Joel Pirro. I mean, I, he got the, the whole goal to shoot at Joel he Pirro, really and he's blazed yeah. in. I mean, he's been in really good form for Swansea, um, and, and, and we, we kind of struggled to get to grips with what Swansea were doing. I mean, they were playing wide centre backs coming out to the wing to the wings almost to push on their full backs, which is fine. But then the two centre centre midfielders were dropping in to form another back four. It was. It was very peculiar. Colin Frey couldn't get his head round it, and then you got you got Steve Sutton. I mean, he's not the best <laughs> of co-coms uh, for my liking. I know Reese don't Reese Reese is a big fan. Similar, that you're talking about Reese has similar feelings. I think a lot of Forest <laughs> fans do. But I mean, it was like he'd never played football in his life. Uh, Steve Sutton, he hadn't got a clue what was happening either. Bless him. Um, but it was a goalkeeper, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, <laughs> but but second half, obviously. It's where we wanted them, obviously, by the sounds of it, because we come out guns blazing and, and took chances. I mean, I, I've seen a few people say it wasn't like scintillating stuff. It was just a matter of that we got really good chances and took them away. I mean, which is which is great. That's what you want. You want you want uh, those chance conversions up more than just having pointless shots, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's quality chance rather than quantity when it comes to football. We all know that. Uh, the better chance you make, the more chance you've got of scoring. Um, but I think what was interesting was that um, a lot of the Swansea fans were saying that uh, we think it's Cabango and the other centre-back. And, they, and um, uh, they were saying that you know, they haven't really played much on the Cooper. He knew they were weak links and targeted them specifically in the second half, which I thought was quite interesting because it did seem that we did sort of seem to pin those two in quite a lot. Like, obviously, the second goal being a prime example where Spence plays the um, the ball on the blind side of him in for Johnson's cut him from behind. But um, which is... You know, Always good. It's good to see Forrest do things in a positive fashion. And not as negative football that we promised, uh, Lee. Um, 
you, I mean, you actually said like when we went off air last week that if we won, this would have been the most um, exuberant fist pump from Cooper. It wasn't as um, it was a bit more muted, perhaps in some sort of respect for his former employer. But you imagine it would have meant quite a lot to him, and a lot of it is obviously down to him and his tactics. Yeah, I think um, it, it, we're learning with each passing week, aren't we? That uh, he's just a, a respectable bloke. I think um, I was more hopeful that it'd be his, his biggest fist pump, just because of the, some of the, some of the absolute dross I've seen that you know the Swansea fans have been coming out with. I mean, some of the stuff they've been talking about. It's like they can't, they still can't give us any credit. Now we've got. 30 points from 15 games under him. It's like, come on. I mean, I'm a big believer that certain people suit certain football clubs. And at the moment, it just everything points to Steve Cooper being absolutely tailor-made to manage this football club. Um, I mean, yeah, it was just... A, I mean, I didn't, I didn't sit through the full 90, but I've seen probably, you know, sort of some extended highlights today. And it does look like we got a little bit lucky in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, it's one of those things. If you take your chances, eventually you're gonna you're gonna win games and you're gonna pick up points, and and that's what Forrest did. Um, like you say, Cooper clearly knew where their weaknesses were, and I think I think I read something today. His message at half time was just to keep going. I mean, yeah, they created two pretty good chances, and they they could have probably gone in two nil up at half time, but we scored four. We just stuck at it, and it's almost like this is a, a new Forest. It's it's something that's uh, we're not familiar with. It's, uh, it's certainly interesting. It does seem as if like Cooper seems to be um, sort of acclimatising to the position maybe better than obviously in a deeper sense. I think he, there was a quote he came out with, wasn't it, saying that obviously, you know, it's a pleasure to manage the club, but he's starting to fall in love with it now, which is, you know, again, obviously stuff that we want to hear as fans, but it's also a good sign that, you know, he really is taking like duck to water pretty much. And like you said, 50, uh, was it 30 points for 15 games? Is absolutely ridiculous. But um <laughs> one thing I did notice on Twitter which was quite funny was um, obviously the fourth goal was scored by Cathy and um, which you know again fringe players you know, if stepping up can only be a good thing although some thought that the praise may have been a bit over the top it was and uh, it's now Ballon the Cathy as opposed to anything else um, Reese was I mean I make him my fifth best central midfielder uh, if maybe so the fact that fringe players are coming in when they actually get a rare chance because he does have, seem to have a very settled team if they're coming in and doing the business, they can only be a good thing for Forest, can't it? Yeah, of course, because players can go the other way and have a mod and upset, you know, everyone in the dressing room and that. But, you know, Cafu to me is steady. He's not terrible. He's not amazing. He's a steady squad player for me. Never, ever thought he lacks in effort or anything like that. Always thought, you know, he's pretty okay. Um Obviously, with the form of Yates, Colback, and now Garner's come back into the four as well, he's obviously going to find his um, chances limited. But, you know, he's come on the last few games. Anton come on yesterday and, yeah, took his goal really well from some questionable keeping from Hamer throughout the afternoon. But it was a very good work, from, <laughs> good work from Taylor as well on the wing. I think they'd kind of given up by that stage though because it just kind <laughs> of a, allowed him to run by the two guys on the wing. And yeah, it was a good strike. And at the end of the day, all you can do is, a, you know, when you hit you hit the target, make the keep work. And he's made the keep work by picking it out the back of the net, thankfully. Yeah, it's exactly that. And like you said, Taylor is another example, really. Someone who isn't, okay, he obviously plays more regularly than Cafu does, but obviously he's very much second choice behind Graben. 
So for him to go on a, a, a run like that, which I, I thought was like, again, um, <laughs> one of the songs he said about sort of ran into the other one, they just both stopped because he just went through, which is quite amusing. And yes, I guess we were helped by some questionable key thing, but Adam, do you think the scoreline flattered us at all? Or do you think that it was a fair reflection of the game? Hard to say, obviously, without being there and trying to just listen on the radio, but I, I don't really remember. Swansea had a bit of a flurry at 3-1, I believe, and Samba had to make a really good smart save down to his right. I can't remember who exactly at the shot. And obviously, their, their goal was a massive deflection off Yates, um, which is unfortunate. And um, he, he obviously got quite a lot of credit for sometimes dropping into almost the centre-half position and then and then obviously sitting in, in front of the back four and doing a good shielding job um it it's easier to obviously 4-1 is like a big scoreline so you probably think Joe, if you're not ever seeing the game or listen to the game you probably think well Swansea got battered but I don't think it was that case I literally just think it was we got a better quality of chance and we seemed to take them and it was good to see uh Brennan Johnson in, in good form again because he, he seemed to get around the back a lot he put in a good few balls um, across the box he set one up he, he poaching poaching there for, for the third goal some awful goalkeeping I mean that is we... bread and butter isn't it I mean yeah, I, we won't get any fan... goal this season no we won't we, won't, we, won't, we absolutely won't um, I, I, don't, I think I think Swansea will feel hard done by from the first half, but if you don't take your chances, you don't win. And this league is like you just get punished if you if you don't, obviously. And we we've obviously know that from from countless times. Look at the Fulham game where where we made mistakes and we got absolutely ripped apart for it. But that game again, you say, was actually a lot closer than the scoreline suggests. So it's maybe one of them. But I'm I'm I'm, I'm happy. We we we're, we're third best away record in the league as well, which is outstanding. We just need to improve that home form consistently, and obviously help with, with the win against Peterborough the week before, which we'll probably get on to. But mm. yeah, we'll, we'll, if you take your chances, then then you, then you deserve it, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think what was also interesting was that um, four goals on four different goal scorers, which, Lee, that's... I mean, you think back to the Lucia, that wasn't a thing that was regularly happening. You think we, it might be the since maybe QPR, I think, away, we might have had four different goal scorers. But by and large, it was very much everything through grabbing. So the fact that it's sort of easing the burden on him if you like again all positives right yeah I think if um, that was probably our problem under the you know when we just missed out on the playoffs that we relied far too heavily on grabbing um, I mean if if one player would have probably contributed you know double figures then we'd have probably got in the playoffs so it's good that it is being you know divvied around a bit um, I just think we've got so many options Um it's it's just really nice to see it, the likes of Cafu coming in and just scoring. Um, you know, it's it would be so easy, I think, for Cafu to be, you know, shop, he's gone from shopping with the misses on a Saturday to you know being thrust into action, and that I don't necessarily think that's an easy thing to do. Um, you know, you you could be have your chin on your chest and you'd be like, oh, I'm not really asked because I know that when everyone's fit again, I'll be out of the team. But Cafu seems to. Uh, want want the shirt and he's come in and, and done a job and you can't really knock that. Um, the fact he's scored just gives Cooper another headache in a key area. So, yeah, I mean, long may that continue. I think that's something that I'd love to see. I'd, I'd settle for grabbing only getting 15 if it meant that Johnson, Zinc and Argel and, you know, one other got double figures because 
you need it. If if Grabbing gets injured, obviously he's not getting any younger, then someone else has got to step up. So if your midfielders and your, your versatile forwards are chipping in, then that's only a good thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And obviously we um as Adam mentioned earlier as well, with Johnson especially. Um, Reese, obviously you've been um very not necessarily critical because it's been a fair sort of assessment, but you've very much clocked onto the fact that Johnson over the last few games has had let's say more iffy moments than good moments. And but obviously yesterday seen the complete turnarounds. So I mean obviously young players will go through in, like inconsistent patches, of course, but what did you make of his sort of performance and like are you hoping it's gonna be a springboard so he can sort of like you know, push on further from this? Just look back to um, the early days of Cooper form yesterday. I mean, it's something I've been calling for a while, using that overlap and Spencer's ball. I mean, it put their left back in all sorts of problems because he had no idea what to do. Did he slide and try and cut the ball out or go with Johnson? By the time he'd made a decision, the ball had gone by him and then Johnson had got him behind. Brilliant ball across and there's your poacher grabbing in the middle. You know, he's alive. The, the third goal was an absolute howler from the goalkeeper, but you've got to be in there to turn it in. And he was in there. You know, that Hamer could have made that howler and no one's there and he could have just recouped it back again. So, fair play for him getting in there. But, but I'm not, it would not, it's not criticism as such. You just know he's got the ability and, and when you kind of look, a little bit like half arse you're like, come on, you, you know, you can you can show us what you've got. You've got the attributes to, you know, win games for Forest. And but he, a lot of attacking midfielders are like that. They go hot and cold. Um, there is times when you know they're not in games, and you see that even in the Premier League with players. Um, you know, like Zink and Eagles, like seems to be he seems in our back on form yeah. as well. But he's had periods where he's been cold as well. So, you know, it happens. But, you know, yesterday, that's the Johnson we all want to see in tip. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's very fair assessment on Zinkenegg as well, who does seem to be having a bit of a purple patch again, two goals in his last four games, I think it is. But yeah, again, he's very up and down, hot and cold. And we'll obviously come on to that in a bit. But yeah, it's, it's very, it's, I guess, like I said, nature of the beast attacking players they are going to they, you can't have put eight out of ten performances in every game otherwise they wouldn't be where they are but um what was pleasing was that you know, Forrest managed to make the most momentum because I mean, as, as you touched on the fact that our home form had been quite ropey and it has really but obviously the Swansea game came on the back of a 2-0 win away at, at home to Peterborough a game that Forrest were very much expected to win and okay we made a bit of a meal of it but you know, has to say credit where credit is due. We got the job over. We got the um, got over the line, and three extra points on the board. Yeah. So, like, when when, when you're playing teams like Peterborough, I think you're just gonna ex- have to expect them to like really kind of shop shop. But they're scrapping, aren't they? At the bottom, they're scrapping for every single point. They're gonna play a different style to what Swansea played yesterday, obviously. So where they're gonna be a bit more open, and we can get we can get chances. We can get in behind. What what Reese was saying about Johnson, you want to see him do that way way more because he's always got the beating of a of, of a lot of fullbacks in this league. He's just he's deceivingly quick, I think, um, and I think Spence kind of like always points to that like sort of spot. I think like Johnson needs a bit have a bit more trust in in uh, in our players to play that ball because he's got a beating of a man every time. But yeah, going back to Peterborough, I think they're just going to play a complete different style of football because 
they are scrapping, but they did have chances against us. We made hard work of it um, against them, but it's good to to get that one over the line. Uh, we just need to keep it keep it going because if we turn our home form around, our away form is already probably probably already very good enough to get you in the playoffs because a lot of the time it's kind of if you can pick up what maybe 10, 10 wins away from home, you, you're in the playoffs if your home form's good and we're doing probably just, we're probably on track for doing better than that. Yeah. So if we can get the home form good and the city ground rocking, because it can be a fortress, you look at it under Billy Davis at one point. We we didn't, I, don't think, I can't remember was getting beat that many times under him. So if it can happen under Cooper, we're, we're in for, for a nice end to the season and maybe a, a bit of a roller coaster ride in the playoffs, hopefully. It's very much, yeah, obviously it's, again, very hush-hush, but we'll, we'll say hush-hush for now because we're going to talk about it very shortly. But um, it's very much, I think, something that more Forest fans are sort of coming around to the idea that actually it's not so much a pipe dream anymore, it's actually a genuine possibility. But um, going back to the Peterborough game, Lee, obviously the first half was by all means poor. Um, in fact, it's probably the worst we played since the Fulham game. But again... Something happened at half time. We come out the second half a much better side and get the job done. Uh, why do you think that was the case that we, just, we seemed to labour so much in the first half? Um, good question. Um, I don't actually think Peterborough were as dogged and as bad as I thought they would be, to be honest. Um, maybe the mistake we made in the first half was that we perhaps gave them a little bit too much of the ball. So naturally, um, you know, that increased the the anxiety and the, the, the stands, I guess. Um, I thought we just gave them a, a little bit too much respect and we, we didn't kind of dictate the tempo. We let them do that, which, as Adam said, when you've got teams scrapping for every point, the worst thing you can possibly do, which we did a lot under Chris Shooten and various other managers, was let them score first um, because then they, their game plan becomes easy then. Two big banks of four, um, just boot everything that comes near you 50 yards down the pitch and just make sure you keep that clean sheet. So in that respect, I suppose keeping them out for the first half was actually a, a small victory. It allowed Cooper to get them in and kind of read them the right act probably. And although he wouldn't let that onto the media, I don't think he likes, you know, that perception of him, but I, I would imagine there was some stern words in there at half time because we know that Cooper sets his standards high and that first half was just dreadful. Um, it reminded me a little bit of the first half away at Barnsley, actually. Um, one of Cooper's first games. So, you know, a bit further down the line, I don't think he'd have been very happy at all. So, yeah, it was just one of them games. That, it does make me laugh, though, when you, you, you hear various things. Oh, it's just like watching Newton ball. It's like not every game is going to be 3 and up at half-time. I, I think too, too many of our fan base spend too much time playing football manager and stuff like that where yeah who do that I'm looking at you Reese by the way um, <laughs> but yeah no I just think there's so much expectation you start winning a few games and keeping a few clean sheets and it's it's oh yo, why aren't we winning why aren't we beating teams like this and it's like like you've said before Reese, that hashtag teams like Preston and stuff like that it's, <laughs> it's the championship anyone beats anyone I mean Blackburn went to Bournemouth and won yesterday Peterborough won yesterday didn't they they beat Bilbo yeah too well Everyone was saying they were akin to the, the Derby side that got the record points total in the Premier League after we were nil nil at half time. It's people just need to relax a bit and just, you know, trust the process. I sound a bit uh-huh. like a national fan now, but trust the process a bit and all's good. I mean, we came out of the second half, it was like a different team. We scored two goals and happy days. Three points is all that matters. Same with 
Too many of these people moaning about possession yesterday. Most pointless starting football. Your two centre backs stand on the, the edge of the box for 90 minutes and keep possession for 90 minutes. You've got 100% possession. What have you done with it? Nothing. It's it's pointless. I just think people need to chill a bit. And when things aren't going as, as well as they, they should be doing, like the first half at Peterborough, just, just relax. You know, we couldn't possibly be any worse in the second half. And we weren't. <laughs> Scored two good goals and, and happy days. It was, um, it's actually a fair point. It's actually, um, Quite a few Swansea fans, uh, I was like, the ones that weren't saying like Cooper was the worst manager since XYZ and ruined their club and whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the ones that were actually fairly objective were saying that one thing they noticed was that in the second half, Cooper would generally see something or change something and they would come out in the second half a better side, which is interesting because I remember when Leeds went up um, with Bielsa, Again, I think they won, if you split it like half, first half by second half, they got most of their goals in the second half of games when they had a chance to analyse it and then find out what was going wrong and then go from there. But obviously, Reese, we haven't really had a manager of that sort of tactical know-how for quite a while. In fact, you probably have to go back quite a fair way to find someone on that sort of wavelength. I mean, this, is a, this is a more sort of a classic fan heart question here, but how far do you think Cooper can actually go with Forrest? We're going to start there. <laughs> um, I mean, with with Steve, is he's a modern is a modern manager, and he? he's worked with youth players, so he'll know how the dynamic of the dressing room, etc., has changed throughout the years. And he's a, a you know he's a modern thinker. What I've seen of him since he's joined the club, you know, he's he's happy to change formations. He's happy to change things in games, like we just mentioned. Um, how far do I think he can take us? Well, that would depend on the club, really, how much they're willing to back him. Because we, we know recruitment is key. Forest recruitment has been, you know, over the Maranakis era, dire, really. Suspect, yeah. You know, and it, it, was, it was part of the reason why we didn't get in the playoffs under Lamushi, because the January recruitment was not good enough. And... Now we are in a batch of teams what could get in the playoffs this season for me. And there's a lot of there's a lot of us queuing up behind yeah. the ones who are in there at the minute. So it all depends to me. You know, we've got I know Barnsley does go slightly into the new year, but this is like block of four games now, three at home. So good chance to get some points on the board and like Adam mentioned earlier, improve that home form. And then January is you know, that's that's your meat and drink for me where we will be this season because if it's a January like I've just mentioned the Lamushi probably looking mid-table this season if they can get some good players in and we don't know what's going to happen with you know mostly Spence into it but if they can replace him you know and get a couple more options then you know there's a chance we can get in the playoffs this season no doubt because you know, like Adam again mentioned earlier, Johnson's pace down that right-hand side, he'll, he'll do every left-back in the league, I'm, I'm certain of that, because he's a, he is deceivingly quick. Again, like Adam said, his acceleration, I think, more than his top speed seems to get him away. But we'll have to see in January what happens. We don't seem to know, we don't really know what the budget is and, you know, who Forrest are really looking at. There's been a, a couple of rumours, haven't there, but nothing really concrete, really, at the minute. This is it. And to be honest, I, I agree with you. I do think that January will be very much make or break. But 
it's so it's, this is obviously the next ironically that comes to the next topic we're going to talk about i mean so january for a number of reasons holds a lot of variables for me for forest season because there is a good possibility that we could lose spence low maybe even zinc and Eagle and ghana i mean the, the the last two maybe not so much i think they'll they will stay but got i think spence is a given to go back low now they've got a new manager it's possible that heckingbottom might want to have a little look at him at Sheffield United there's also the possibility that we lose Johnson and Worrell with uh, Leeds and Brentford in particular sniffing rounds Johnson and Newcastle being linked with Worrell so on the one hand you can have Forest of 30 million on the other hand you know you lose at least four key players and as we know that's going to be a challenge for anyone on Adam let's say that is the worst case scenario that those two go back and we sell Worrell and um, Brent Johnson quite early, and Forest do have thirty million spends. Do you trust Dane Murphy to, from what you've seen so far, to plug those gaps accordingly and sign the right players? Thirty million doesn't really get you a lot these days, does it? I mean, we spend fifteen million pound on one player, they don't even fucking play. So I mean, that's 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 something. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I've not. I've not seen. Obviously, we can't really judge Dame Murphy yet because it was it it was a very late uh, acquisition of him coming to the club. So I don't even think he had enough time to get his feet under the table. Never mind get players in. Um, but obviously, like for the for the summer we had and the recruitment that we did have was really good towards the end. So hopefully. Yes, um, but it would it would be really hard. It's like that's almost like your spine of your team in, in a weird way because like Zinkenagel, Johnson, Warren, and Spence are obviously all starters. So I think Spence is not too bad to replace if I say Tutu can stay fit for the rest of the season because he's someone who who can definitely fill those shoes. Um, mm. Left back is more of an issue because obviously. Uh, Max Lowe, I think he's just coming back into training, and he's had a, he's had a good he's had a good loan spell with us. Um, and it is hard to say what what's going to happen if Hagenbottom wants to look at him at Sheffield United or not. But it's definitely something we need to address. I'm wondering if Nicky Shaw is still available um, to come play there. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's really hard to say because January is probably the hardest window to acquire players, I would say, because everyone's settled. Everyone knows what their aims are for the rest of the season sort of thing, whether it's to secure their place in the, in the league next season, or they're pushing for the playoffs or they're scrapping for uh, the league or relegation or whatever. So it's, it's, it would be very, very difficult to give you a definitive answer. This is a very politician esque answer, isn't it? It's never, it's not, yeah, just no. got a cheese of mine. Yeah, it's 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 too it's too difficult to really say. Like, and it, you don't know who's available and who and and prices seem to go sky high because those players that are going to improve your squad are generally playing week in week out. I mean, if if someone's going to come in for Johnson, I know he's only got a year left or whatever, but you're going to say well, we want twenty million for him because he's one of our key players at the moment. We're not going to get twenty million for him. It's not going to happen. No, true. It's so, so difficult. So I, I can't really give you an answer if I'm honest, Christian. It's just a lot of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it will be interesting. I mean, like, again, I, I do agree, actually, because when it comes to January, players to clubs especially do bump it up because you know, obviously it's, it's a critical part of the season. You've got five months left. You, you don't want to be seeing your best players. 
But I'd say if Newcastle, especially Newcastle, like oh, now yeah. your ownership, if, if they come in for Warrell, it's like, well, add another zero onto whatever you've offered because <laughs> you can afford it. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've been looking at that Sutar at Hearts, who I saw quite a few fans sort of praise his like um, raking long balls, very similar to Warrell. So he does seem like a naturally sort of made replacement if we were to sell him. But um, Lee, I mean, this is, seeing as you mentioned football manager earlier, if we were to sell Worrell and Johnson, who would you replace them with? That's putting me on the spot, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no looking up FM Wonder Kids, by the way, your laptop. No, just... just trying to think. I don't think any of my made-up players would be ideal for us, to be fair. None um, of the Serbian regens, yeah. No, it's difficult to say. I mean, I don't think Suter would be a bad sign-in. The only thing that does worry me is that I think he's done both of his Achilles and he's only 25. Um, yeah. We don't have we don't have the greatest record with injuries as it is, do we? So I mean that would be a risk. But I suppose if he was available on a free, or I think he's out of contract in the summer, isn't he? So he's going to go a nominal fee. Yeah, they're talking like less than two million. So yeah, you've not got a great deal to lose there. Um, what I would say is I don't think we will get rid of both in the same window. I think we've been pretty good at kind of limiting limiting it to you know particularly in the Mar- Marinakis era to just one big sale. Um, I mean, there's no reason why we won't sell them both, but I'd be very surprised. I think that would be very, like you've just said, you know, it's a difficult market to buy and we need to be using that tact when other clubs come knocking for our players. So let's hope that's the case. But Suter wouldn't be a bad sign. I can't think off the top of my head, to be fair, in terms of centre-backs. Um, it'd be nice to see him base. So come back, to be honest. Um, yes. Yeah. He's, he's one that's kind of, when he, he signed, he was quite exciting, but he just can't seem to stay fit. Um you know, as a young lad, he has got plenty of time on his side. So it'd be nice to see him kind of save us a bit of money, if you like, um, give him a go and as a bit of a free hit. Because, I mean, I know it'd be nice to get in the playoffs while we are up there. But after giving everyone in the division a seven-game start, I don't think Steve Cooper's going to be under too much pressure to absolutely nail on a, a playoff place. So Great. if he can yeah. get fit come the turn of the year and we do let Worrell go, then give him a go for me. And then, then reassess in the summer and, and see where we are then when... You know, with all due respect to the January market, it's a little bit easier to, to shop in, in the summer. No, it's true. It's, again, it's, like, it's a time element because you've got several months to find a replacement as opposed to several days. But, um, Reese, if okay, take that sort of um, answer. If you have to sell one or the other, Warrell or Johnson, who would you sell? Um, probably That's a lean. question, yeah. It, it all kind of depends really what the situation with Johnson his contract is is he you know we don't we hear obviously little snippets don't we but about it was about the release clause but that was quite a while ago now so if he's kind of saying look you know X club in the Premier League wants me you know I'm, I'm looking to move on then you know kind of what choice you got I'd, I'd be amazed if we sold both I'd, I'd be surprised, to be honest, if we sold either, unless, like I've just said, Johnson was flatly refusing to sign a contract. Um, <clears throat> but on the flip side, I've always felt, and I'm sure you guys agree, we've kind of got a seller player, so we have a budget rather than working on a shoestring, um, as seen why we've got five loans in the squad. Absolutely, but yeah. If, you know, going back to question, if I had to sell one, <laughs> probably, I probably would lean towards more Johnson because of the contract situation. 
Mm. You know, then, then you go. Out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, then then you go into the summer thinking he's got a year left. You know, and then the Premier League vultures would definitely be circling. And even if he had a really good end to the season, they'd probably think, well, has his value gone up or down? I'm not so sure. I mean, in an ideal world, we've got some budget and we can keep both of them because either of them leaving would, you know, would for the short term definitely damage the squad. It would then depend how good the recruitment is to replace them. Yeah, this is it. Again, you're sort of like relying on Murphy to pull rabbits out of the hat. But he did it at Barnsley and we have to wait and see. Obviously, the dream is, the, the ideal scenario is we keep them both. No one gets recalls and we go up through the playoffs and then tie them down. But <coughs> uh, well, I saw John Johnson smacking the badge as he poked home yesterday. So that gives me a glimmer of hope. And and if you read what, what David Johnson, obviously, is, his dad's writes on Twitter, he's saying that is he, he seems to say that his son wants to stay with us and develop with us and, and what a better place to do that because I've said to you guys in the chat those teams that are after him they're more than likely going to loan him back out anyway so what's the point he may as well just carry on his development in here but that's easier said than done because I'm I'm a biased Forest fan and I'd like him to stay and, and do well for us but if we get a stupid offer like we did for like Drew like in the region of what uh, cash we've got, we've got money for cash that it's it's difficult to turn down with a year left. Do you know what I mean? It's it's one of them. But for for me, if I if I'm if I'm Brendan Johnson, I want to develop still. It's still his first season in the championship properly. He's not really like not really proved anything yet. Uh so for me it's it's a no brainer, but that's because I'm biased as well. So we'll see. Just Very finally true. on that, I would I would actually say as well with Johnson, the, the thing that's baffling me a little bit with Johnson is that I'd love to know what the hold-up is with the new deal because at the end of the day, he's enjoying his football. He's playing week in, week out. I know there's some sort of you know news that whether it, there's uncertainty over the release clause, but surely contracts aren't worth the paper they're written on these days. I mean, if a big club comes in with an offer, he's going to get sold anyway, but all it does is it lets the club that's given him an opportunity to play regular championship football the chance to retain the valuation on it. I just don't really... I, I'm a bit baffled by the whole situation surrounding it. It sounds like the money's right, but there's just this release clause that's causing a concern, which seems a bit strange to me. Yeah, it's, it's all been dragged out quite a bit as well, isn't it? Hopefully we can find a resolution to that one way or the other, because, again, it's better for us to have years in the bank so we can keep it protected value, essentially. But we will certainly see on that one. Anyway, we're going to move on to look back at Cooper's transformation with Forest. Because I know obviously we're not, we're not well too much in the past, we've done that quite a bit before. But again, you know, the two points game average, the fact that the playoffs didn't really does seem viable, I think it's fair to say. I just, again, like I sort of touched on what I said with Reese like how far do we think you can go? I mean, if Forrest were to get into the playoffs this season, for example, uh, Lee, do you think we'd even be equipped to deal? With what comes next? I mean, there's a lot to come between now and then, and there's obviously a lot of football. No one's suggesting Forest will be in the top six. It's just now, it's just a distinct possibility. But you know, we've said before, like those two spaces, even three spaces now, really, because Sheffield United haven't made the most of their parachute payments, are very much up for grabs from anyone from QPR down, probably about 14, 15 from the table. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult. I always think I always find it a strange question. Not, on the basis that you never know how good you're going to do until you're in there. You've got to be in there with a shout. I mean, I personally think it'd be so foresty for us to get promotion and then they sack the parachute payments off. Um, 
we'd be we'd be one of the first teams not to benefit from it or something like that. Um, but no, it's a difficult one. I think um, with Dane Murphy on board, we probably are geared in a fashion off the pitch. I, I dread to think that Ventsos would still be involved. Chucking, oh, imagine him in the but I dread to think what sort of money he might chuck at some Cypriot striker who's scored <laughs> 30 in the Dog and Duck League or something. Um, again, just be very forest, wouldn't it? We'd pin our Premier League survival hopes on him and then he'd be off on loan to, to Como in a month. Um, but no, I think we probably are. I think with Cooper, I'd, I'd just like to think that the January window will represent something a little bit different. I don't. I think the players that Cooper will fancy getting in, um, and this can be taken if we get promoted as well, the, Coop, the players that Cooper would fancy getting in would probably be projects rather than ready-made players, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like you know what he's done with like Gallagher and um, Woodman at Swansea. Uh, they had the defender, didn't they? Gwehi, is it? Uh, it was at Palace Gwehi, now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, that, I think them sort of players are going to be more obtainable rather than being in the mix for a player that we seem to be linked with so many players who West Brom won or Fulham won or Bournemouth won. And you just know that they've got an extra 20 grand just waiting to go on as a signing on field or something that we haven't got. So um, I do feel a bit more confident in that sense. As for whether we could cut it in the Prem, then you just never know. There's so many teams that have gone up that you think, oh, they'll finish bottom. And they actually do all right. Um, I always maintain that the, you can catch so many teams out in the Prem in the first season. Well, aside from the big six, they're just in a league of their own, aren't they? But Mm-hmm. Um, it's the second season that would always the second season syndrome always bothers me. So there's no reason why we couldn't go up and you know start, recruit well, sign the players. Don't get me wrong, we're going to need at least ten new players. But yeah, I think we are probably you know with a good academy, a good manager, um, a good CEO working alongside it. And I don't think there's any reason you know to fear um, the probability of going going up. It's yeah, it's, it's it's sort of scary to talk about it almost because obviously we've been here so many times before. And we've seen I mean, literally every outcome possible. You throw a Stoke game into the equation, things that shouldn't have been humanly possible turned out to be humanly possible because it was Forest. But I mean, you look at the stats. I mean, last fifteen games, thirty points, two points a game, a goal difference of plus thirteen for a side that wasn't scoring goals and just kept leaking them or wasn't having shots on target. Again, unbeaten away, one loss in sixteen since we sacked Hutton. I mean, these transformations go, Reese. That's unbelievable. I mean, the only, the only team, I mean, if you look at the last 15 table, I mean, Fulham would be second with 29, Bournemouth would be third with 28. Both sides have parachute payments. You know, both have a huge financial advantage over forests. And yet, somehow, we're finding a way, since Cooper's been here, to just eke out ahead of them. And I don't like going back to the Hewton. Uh, and this is a, a bloke who said he couldn't get a tune out of these players and didn't have the tools to get a tune out of them as well. You know, Cooper's had the same players pretty much and, you know, we've said it, haven't we, countless times, it's literally chalk and cheese. You know, they've got, like, like I said earlier in one of the previous comments, they've got, a, you know, out the next four, three games at home and you look at them three home games and you'd fancy Forrest to beat all of them three. Really, you know, Hall, Huddersfield, and Barnsley. I know Huddersfield are you know, in and around the playoffs, but we, we went there and beat them away. And we was all saying, didn't we, that we'd fancy us to beat Huddersfield? Yeah, 
I've, I forgot your question. <laughs> remind me, remind me again. Just transformation, just transformation. It's, like, it's just all yeah. this positivity, isn't it? Um, Mental, isn't it? Like getting, getting giddy. Yeah, you, like you, you and Lee just said, you know, we've we've been here before, haven't we? You, we it's hard not to get carried away when, especially with Forest, because we've had so many bad times. You now have gone on a little run of form. You know these last fifteen games, and over them fifteen would be top. You know you'd na- you, your excitement naturally builds, but just got to take it one step at a time. And like I said in the last comment, January is key for me. If Absolutely. where we're going to be this season, but if if you know if we end up finishing tenth this season, then it allows Cooper preseason to have a proper preseason with them, which is fundamental in any football team preseason. And then hopefully him and Dane and the recruitment team can get some more players in who they think, you know, is perfect for Forrest going going forward. And yeah. or also something we'd not mentioned, I don't know if we are going to mention it or not, but it'd be nice to see, I think, grabbing tied down to a new deal as well. Absolutely. Because he's still, yeah. especially if we're still in the championship, which is still scoring goals, you know, he's the captain of the team. Now. Yeah. I'd hope with that is something alongside Johnson's contract that we are thinking about sorting out, to be honest. There's quite a few on that front. I mean, we've got Samba, Worrell and I think Johnson all out next summer. Yeah, you've got like like Figueredo this summer as well. You know, he's not as valuable player as Johnson and Graben, but if again, if we're in the championship... It's worth having what you're going to cost yeah. to replace him, and that maybe that'll be some a deal as well. But we'll have to see. Don't forget Bond and Jenkinson as well. They're out of contract. Oh well, I think I think we'll no, exercise our option to release them too. How are we going to? Well, Jordan God. Smith as well, and is he out of contract? Yeah, as well, Jordan, Jordan Smith. Yeah, yeah I no, think well, he can he can go as well. Actually, you've just reminded me actually saying the word Carl Jenkinson. I mean, we'll, we will touch on this in a future pod, but. The situation for the Arsenal game in the FA Cup. Uh, news, like, in case you hadn't seen it, Forest draw Arsenal for the fourth time in a cup competition since 2016. This time, be at home in the FA Cup in the third round. But <laughs> Spence was likely to go back. Also, Tsis if he can't play, Drake is going to be African Cup of Nations. It could be taken to the right back, <laughs> but um, obviously it won't be. But yeah, it, it, he is the only right back available at the club. But that's something we'll go into on a later episode. But um, as we mentioned, Graben. And you know, eight and nineteen now, and his goal against Swansea actually finally takes him level with Marlon Harewood, fifty-one league goals for Nottingham Forest since the year two thousand. Um, so, I was just going to ask. I'll start with Adam here. Um, what has been your favourite Lewis Graben goal for Nottingham Forest? Jesus, um, it's a really hard one. He scored some like important goals for sure. I mean. Everyone obviously talks about Jaden Bogle's great assist in the in the derby game, which he finished off pretty good. He he's missed a lot of good chances as well. I think you could go off them, but um, for me, I think my favourite grabbing goal, and I think it'll be, and it's not even like a hard finish or anything like that, but it's it'll be the Fulham goal where every player touched the ball. It was liquid. I think it was the most good. liquid football we played under Lamucci. Um, and and Robinson, who was with us at the time, whipped in a great ball back post, and he's tapped in. And I think that's just for a, for a, it kind of sums grabbing up because 
he's in the right place at the right time. He's po- he's a poacher. He's at the back post. He sticks it in. Uh, similarly, the uh, the goal against Ipswich under Cranker, where um, I think Dariqua squares it across goal and it, and he taps it in because I just think they're just good team goals and it and it does sum up grabbing of being that eighteen yard box striker, which every championship club that is successful seems to have one. We've just not utilised it to the full extent yet. Mm. Hopefully that this could be the season. He he could easily get to another twenty this year. So, and if he does that, I mean, I said that, I said that all when we when we bottled the playoffs. <laughs> if we have a 20, 20 goal striker, we'll be in the playoffs. But I, I definitely believe it this time, to be honest, because you look at, around us at those other teams, have they all got that type of striker? And I don't think they have really. You only look at like the top two who've got got that, and then obviously Brereton's having a bit of a freak season. He's turned Chilean, and he's become a wonder kid. So. Alexis Sanchez took everything he knows. Yeah, exactly. So like we've we've got that we've got that firepower. We just need like like what Lee was saying earlier about players chipping in. If if Johnson can chip in between eight and ten goals and Zinkanagel does the same and then Taylor does his bit off the bench and then maybe in January we recruit someone who can add, add goals to us as well, because I think that'll be that'll be massive, then We've got a, we've got a hell of a chance, but yeah. So they're, they're my two favourites. I don't know what I've, I've, I've blabbed on a bit too much here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Lee, we we'll move on to you. Obviously, um, again, it was quite as you noticed as well. It was quite funny that all of the centres seem to go very quiet on grabbing scores, um, and then are the ones who don't seem to praise him either. But um, what is or what are sorry? What are your favourite? What sorry? What is your favourite Lewis grabbing goal for Forest? Obviously, you can use other examples as well, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult because he doesn't he doesn't really score many belters, does he? Let's face it, he's more of a you know, fox in the box, if you like. But my favourite one, I think, I I won't, I've got others, but I won't touch on them just in case Reese has got one. Um, I don't want to steal his thunder. My favourite one was away at Aston Villa, I think, in the five-five, just because we led three times in that game, um, and then ultimately we found ourselves five-four behind with, and we had ten men. Um, and it was just it just seemed for all the world that we'd go on to lose the game. And then he had that really it well, it's such a tame effort, wasn't it? But it somehow, you know, found its way through the goalkeeper's legs. Um I don't know, it just it just seemed like such a good the, the roar from the crowd as well that night. I mean it wasn't that that particular game, but you know, on the box it sounded pretty special. So I would probably go for that one. Um there is one other, but I'll see if Reese mentions it first. All right, let's have a late Reese, what's your favourite goal from Grabbins? I've literally just watched it back so I wanted to see the build up before it. The one that always stands out in my mind, I mean the one that Adam mentioned is if that was Barcelona, that'd be recycled with football tweet accounts for years on end, but because it's Forest, Reach no one forget. really see yeah, no one really seems to care. But the one that sticks out in my mind is the win at Hull away under Lamushi. Where not the penalty, obviously. Um, he literally someone pings the ball up the line and he controls it, shrugs off two defenders, and then one twos it with I can't remember who it it's is. Tomato, nah. wasn't it? I think maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then he's literally carried on his run brilliantly, he received the ball, kind of dropped the shoulder on the defender. So that's made the defender like lean away and it's giving him a shooting opportunity. And then he's even done the goalkeeper of the eyes and slammed it in his near post. You know, and it's one of them goals where you, where you watch and think, you know, 
wow, what a what a what a goal has he scored that, and that's why I kind of say it cancels out some of the sitters he has missed. You know, he has missed a few sitters. We know that the Leeds one, for instance, the Peterborough last week, but he scored some goals again, like the one Adam mentioned, the Fulham second one. Brilliant attacking play, and any striker in the world would take them goals. So that's the one that sticks out in my mind for me. And yeah, it topped off a nice away day that because Hall's not the nicest place in the world to go. No, it wasn't. It was a good boxing day that. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, again, it was funny actually because you mentioned the whole game. The, the goal I think of is the less glamorous one, but purely because he just walks towards the goalkeeper after the penalty just last in his face, <laughs> which is quite brazen. I think um, my one is, if you, in terms of the build-up, I think, do you remember we played Norwich at home and Carvalho sort of did that sort of scoop ball into it and he just happened to be getting in the right place right time just slammed it home. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. Um, the one against Blackburn is a header, which I thought was really impressive, and Amiobi crossed from deep, and he sort of headed it across the goalkeeper, which again, you don't normally associate grabbing a heading with his forte. He's normally on the floor getting ball to his feet and he'll score, but that showed a lot of good awareness in the box to do that, I thought. Um, obviously, like uh, Adam said, the goal against Derby was brilliant, the assist from Bogle, um, which I think is one of his, technically counts as outside the box. It's one of his only goals outside the box. Um, the one against Luton, where he ran through him, slotted away one-on-one uh, and I always find like for those where the striker has more to think about like um, we saw it so often with Theo Walcott for example like all the instinctive things was like done brilliantly and you think wow but when you actually got time to pick a spot and place it more often than not it can go wrong but he was very calm very assured very driven but yeah I, I think I think if I was to pick I could probably be in the right one just for the flamboyance of the pass from Carvalho who again only turned up in one game apparently so that doesn't count but um that's another debate for another time, isn't it? But um, anyway, um, as we mentioned, our next game is against Hull City. It'll be the last game before Christmas. And yeah, I mean, we're at home. It's Hull have picked up a little bit in recent weeks, but they're still toiling away at the bottom end of the table. Uh, Lee, we'll start with you. What do you think uh, the score will be? Um, I've got to stick with the positivity, haven't I? I've got to go for a win. Um I think it is a favourable game. They have picked up a little bit, but you know, it's a game where it'll be a good test still because I think if we if we want to get into the playoffs, in all seriousness, um, it's a game we've got to be winning. We've got to kind of transfer some of these goal scoring wins away, you know, onto the city ground turf. So let's let's hope we can. Um, I'm going to go positive. I think we'll win three one. Three one, nice. No clean sheet then. No, I think I'll score. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. No, yeah, okay. I'll take that three goals, always good. Reese, what about you? What do you think of Hull? I was just literally looking at the record. Um, the only one we did we seem to have a poor home record against Hull, Hull but we do. Yeah, yeah. the only win was the three <laughs> 0 under O'Neill, where someone came off the bench and rescued him. But oh yeah, again, I that for another, yeah. another didn't, conversation, didn't happen, did it? Yeah, someone um, else did that. Obviously, you you know you've got to take now into consideration. Um, it's a game we we should be looking to win, but they have picked up. To be fair, they would have won five in a row yesterday if they held on yesterday. They conceded in the last minute, so you know they'll have a. Hopefully, that's not their confidence a little bit, but they're still down there. If Forest want, you know, the main discussion is pod 
pushed towards the playoffs, they've got to be looking to beat Hull at home. Mm. Um, in terms of the scoreline, yeah, I'll, I'll go same as um, the Peterborough game. I'm going to go 2-0 to the Forest. Okay. Uh, Adam, what have you got? I'm hoping that four wins from five for Hull kind of draws them out a bit more, gives them a bit more confidence. So, therefore, we can like really get our game onto them, uh, be quick. Uh, decisive, sharp on the ball. Um, I think I'm sure. I'm sure we can give him a bit of a torrid time. Um, I think it'll be a difficult game because every game in the championship is is not a walkover. Uh, sometimes you do get gifted those, but not very often. So I'll go for for uh, a two 0 I think we'll, it'll it'll be tough, but I think we'll I think we'll be fairly comfortable in the end. Uh, in all honesty, I think we'll have to like kind of like suffer a barrage of of like nervousness for a bit, and then I think once we get one, I think we'll we'll get two. I mean, I think two two will be two two nil will be will be nice. I think it could be more, but we'll we'll wait and see. But yeah, two nil will be will be decent. So I'm just looking at um uh, their recent form, obviously. So from November, I mean, they they lost narrowly lost to West Brom one nil. I mean that in itself. I mean, West Brom, I think they had like fifty odd shots on goal, didn't score any of them when we played them. So before that, in the, sorry, the five games including us. So obviously the fact they conceded is not a good sign. Um, they beat Barnsley two 0 which I think was one of the uh, old manager's last games. Uh, they beat Birmingham at home two 0 and then they beat Cardiff away one 0 Again, I'm not sure if that's on the McCarthy or on the Morrison. And they beat Millwall two one, and then of course uh, Drew of Reading. And one all like we did, and then drew a Bristol. Yeah, well. yeah, four out of six, and then mm, turn look now. Yeah. So four I mean, out of five. But it's interesting because I think if, if Forest had that exact same fixtures, you'd probably fan, you'd probably say to us at least four wins from those you'd want to get. So I mean, but I mean, obviously our expectations, rightfully so, should be very different to theirs. Um, they had a very very bad start, and I don't necessarily rate McCann much as a manager. Um, I remember last time it was literally just give the ball to Bowen and hope for the best. And the second he got sold, they dropped like a stone. So I don't know. Maybe maybe I should be given a bit more respect than I am. But um, I reckon very comfortable to no win. One of those where we don't really look like we're going to concede. We don't really look like we're going to do anything stupid. Just a very dominant over the line to professional two 0 win. And hopefully that means we avoid hearing that fucking awful mauled by the Tigers chant they come out with every time, <laughs> which is honestly up there with the worst things in modern football. It's so bad. But, Sounds um, like something you get from like some American fans if you ever see like their chants yeah. on YouTube. <laughs> Portland <laughs> Timbers and that when they, they cut that log down to behind the yeah. cut um, yeah. a log down to behind the goal and it's a score. Absolute quality. Um, yeah, unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, again, positive. That's, that's uh, all four of us saying it's going to be a win. Let's hope, let's keep the positivity going, guys. Uh, anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week for a recap of the whole game and look ahead over the Christmas periods. So yeah, we'll see you then. Take care and goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.